This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by the Straits Times, where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I am Audrey Tan, and this is David Fogarty. And our guest today is Dr. David Wackenfeld, Chief Scientist at the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority in Townsville, in Queensland. Hi, Dr. Wackenfeld. Welcome to the show. Hi, David. Hi, Audrey. And many thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. So for the first time, severe bleaching has struck all three regions of Australia's Great Barrier Reef, the northern, central and now large parts of the southern sector. From January to March this year, extremely high temperatures damaged or killed large numbers of reef building corals. It is the third bleaching event in five years, and scientists say climate change is playing a direct role. So Dr. Wackenfeld, These bleaching events are happening more frequently along the Great Barrier Reef and indeed reefs globally. Can you tell us what bleaching is, why it is a threat to the Great Barrier Reef and the link to climate change? Sure. So I think the first step in explaining what bleaching is, is to explain what coral is. And a lot of people don't realize that coral is an animal, actually very closely related to jellyfish, but a coral builds its own limestone skeleton. Now, the critical thing that makes corals so special is that it's not just an animal. Inside the coral animal are microscopic plant cells called zooxanthellae. And these microscopic plant cells photosynthesize. So they capture the energy of the sun, they convert it into sugars, and that's where corals get most of their energy from. It's also why most healthy corals are a kind of brown color. It's because of those microscopic plant cells inside the coral. What we see when the corals bleach is that the temperature gets too hot for the coral and for the microscopic plants, and the photosynthetic system breaks down. So suddenly those microscopic plants are producing chemicals that are toxic to corals, not the sugars that the corals want and need. The corals respond to that heat stress by spitting out those microscopic plant cells. And suddenly, instead of being a healthy brown color, the coral actually looks white, and it looks white because the tissue of the coral itself is transparent, and the white you can see is the limestone skeleton underneath. Now, the reason why this is a problem is that obviously the Earth is heating. The planet is about one degree warmer than it was before the Industrial Revolution because of climate change, and 90% of the heat energy from that climate change has been absorbed by the oceans. So the oceans are warmer than they used to be. The Great Barrier Reef itself is about 0.85 of a degree centigrade warmer than it was at about the time of the Industrial Revolution. So what we see with a warmer ocean, a warmer Great Barrier Reef, is that marine heat waves, when they happen, are more extreme than they might have been in the past. So all of a sudden, it's the summer here in the Southern Hemisphere, it's February, it's hot anyway, climate change is driving extremes in temperature, and the corals just can't cope with that. And so because the climate is changing, the planet is heating, These heat stress events, these marine heat waves, are happening more frequently globally, and they're also more severe. So can you tell us more about the Clarent bleaching episode and the findings of a recent aerial survey of a large area of the Great Barrier Reef? And of course, the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority, including us, were involved in this aerial survey. And this gave us quite a good insight as to what's actually going on and how this has affected the reef. So maybe just tell us more about that. 
Sure. So I think first, it's really important for people to understand the scale of the Great Barrier Reef. The Great Barrier Reef is not a single coral reef. In fact, it's about 3,000 separate coral reefs spread over an area almost 350,000 square kilometers, so bigger than two-thirds of the countries on the planet. So it is such an enormous ecosystem that the only real way to survey coral bleaching is from the air. And luckily, when a reef has quite a few bleached corals on it, these corals are bright white. And so they're very easy to see from the air and we can do aerial surveillance. So when we did about a week's worth of aerial surveys at the end of March, we looked at about 1,000 of the reefs on the Great Barrier Reef, right from the very northern end to the southern end, from the coastal reefs to the offshore reefs. And we found a really complicated pattern. So about 40% of the reefs on the Great Barrier Reef had little or no bleaching, which was great news. Mm. About 25% of the reefs on the Great Barrier Reef had severe coral bleaching, which is obviously what concerns us the most. And about 35% of reefs on the Great Barrier Reef were somewhere in the middle. They had moderate coral bleaching. Now, the bleaching event that we've had this year in 2020 is more widespread than the events that we had in 2016 and 2017. That doesn't necessarily mean that there were more bleached reefs, it just means that they were spread over a bigger area. So one of the distinctive features that we've seen in this bleaching event in 2020 is that for the first time, we've had severely bleached reefs in the northern, central and southern Great Barrier Reef. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pals on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our discussion on the Great Barrier Bleach. So, David, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, climate change is pushing up global sea surface temperatures, and that has had an impact on global coral reefs. But specific to the Great Barrier Reef and in other countries around the Indian Ocean Basin, like in Singapore, what about the role of more localised events, such as the positive phase of the Indian Ocean Dipole, which occurred last year? Did that have a role in the severe bleaching recorded at the Great Barrier Reef this year? So obviously what climate change is doing is it's changing the background conditions for all of the normal weather patterns that we see. So many of the cycles that affect the weather in different parts of the world, so the Indian Ocean Dipole is one of those, but the El Nino Southern Oscillation Index is another, the Madden Julian Oscillation is another. There's obviously lots of different cycles and patterns and drivers of weather in different places around the world. All of those drivers still operate in the way that they always have. It's just that when those drivers line up to create an extreme event, that extreme event, in this instance, we're talking about a marine heat wave, will be more extreme than it ever was before. And also what we're seeing is that whereas in the past, in order to see a really hot summer on the Great Barrier Reef, you would probably have had to be in the El Nino phase of the El Nino Southern Oscillation Index. Now we're seeing that because the background temperature has been increased through climate change, we can actually get marine heat waves that cause coral bleaching on the Great Barrier Reef, even when we're not in an El Nino event. And this year was a great example of that. So the El Nino conditions on the Great Barrier Reef, or in the Pacific Ocean more generally, were neutral this year. There was no La Nina, there was no El Nino. 
But at the same time, we still got record-breaking temperatures in February. And in fact, the average temperature on the Great Barrier Reef in February 2020, it was the hottest month that we have ever had on the Great Barrier Reef since we have records starting in 1900. So even though those localized weather drivers were not necessarily driving us to a hot summer, we had a hot summer anyway, because climate change is lifting that overall background temperature of the atmosphere and the oceans. So that sounds quite worrying. What do you think the damage caused by the latest bleaching episode could mean for the future health of the Great Barrier Reef? Obviously, as time goes by, we're seeing increasing frequency and severity of climate-related impacts to the Great Barrier Reef. So in particular, we are really worried about marine heat waves at the moment. And what we've seen over the last five years is that we have now had three regional coral bleaching events. They, each event has affected different parts of the Great Barrier Reef. Remember how enormous this ecosystem is. But what we're seeing is that the cumulative damage of these events is growing. So in 2016, the worst damage was in the northern Great Barrier Reef in 2017. It was worst in the central Great Barrier Reef. And now the event in 2020, the damage is spread very much part in the north, part in the central and part in the south. Now, no one of these events is going to be the end of the Great Barrier Reef. But with climate changing, and we're still not really bringing down greenhouse gas emissions, so there's going to be further climate change. It's the cumulative impact of these marine heat waves and the associated bleaching events that is so concerning. Now, if we act strongly on climate change, and if in particular, we make strong progress on the objectives of the Paris Agreement, which was signed in 2015, then we can constrain climate change to well below two degrees C, preferably closer to one and a half, as in, in accordance with the Paris Agreement. And that still gives us some hope for Great Barrier Reef and coral reefs around the world. But of course, at the moment, we're not on a greenhouse gas emissions reduction trajectory that will meet the objectives of the Paris Agreement. So at the moment, the trajectories of greenhouse gas emissions are going to take us by the end of this century to three degrees of warming or maybe more. And at that sort of warming globally, there really isn't going to be very much left at all of the world's coral reef systems. So David, I mean, when you talk about coral bleaching, we know that there are huge impacts on the marine ecosystem and the fish that depend on these coral reef ecosystems for food and for shelter. But can you just share with our listeners what are the impacts on human communities that depend on the Great Barrier Reef going to be like if the bleaching continues? I think it's really important for people to realise that coral reefs around the world are an absolutely critical part of the life of hundreds of millions of people. So in throughout the tropics of the globe, there are hundreds of millions of people who are depending upon coral reefs every day. They are depending upon them for food. They are depending upon them for income, particularly through tourism, but also through fisheries. And what a lot of people don't realize is that coral reefs are actually also very important to people because they provide coastal protection. In areas where there are healthy coral reefs, when there is a big storm out in the open ocean, the waves from that storm, a lot of their energy gets soaked up by the coral reefs and the energy from the waves doesn't cause anywhere near as much damage to coastal communities as it would without the coral reefs. 
So really, there are hundreds of millions of people all over the world who are critically dependent upon coral reefs. And that, of course, is just part of the reason why it's so critical that we do more to protect them, both through global action on climate change, but also through dealing with local pressures, like making sure that we clean up water quality and stop pollution, making sure that we protect our marine parks, and making sure that we have sustainable fisheries. So, well, um, thank you, Dr. Wackenfeld, for joining us today. Thank you, Audrey. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. That's a wrap for Green Pulse, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.